Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast, where we talk about do our dollars make sense? I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and today we're solo podcasting today. And uh, I'm reporting live from the office here today. So for my folks out there on YouTube, um, I'm at the Money Multiplier Home Office. We're based out of uh, Port Orange, Florida, bumps right up next to Daytona Beach, Florida. And I am here. Uh, where I just got back from a Las Vegas event that happened uh, the prior week, and that was fun. It was fun to come out and teach to y'all and meet a lot of familiar faces as well. And uh, I-, I hope to keep seeing you at the more and more upcoming events that are happening. And uh, just FYI, if you haven't heard about it already, the Money Multipliers going on tour. We're coming out to 23 different cities in 2023. So uh, check our events calendar. The link will be down low in the description box and uh, see if we're coming to a city near you. Invite your friends, invite your family, co-workers. We're here to keep learning and growing together. So um, anyways, as I get into it and kind of why this is a solo podcast today, because I am back. Let's do a jump roll. I am back with my favorite topic. My favorite topic ever is talking about my least favorite comments and questions that I get revolving around this infinite banking concept. Now, like how I said in my prior episode, and and, and if you haven't heard that one, the title is called Your Thinking is Flawed, Here's Why. Go back there and listen to that episode and uh, you'll kind of get caught up to speed because here's what I said in the last episode too. This, what I'm going to go over is not to discourage you from asking us these questions. I want you to ask me those questions. I always tell y'all that there's no stupid question out there. But why I like to talk about these certain comments or these certain questions is so that you can understand where, where I am coming as an educator and a mentor on this concept. And truthfully, y'all, I'm second generation to this. My father has been teaching this and practicing it since 2008. So this is something that I have grown up on. And honestly, it is a little bit easier and quicker for me to grasp this because I am younger and I didn't have to go through life unlearning all of the BS that y'all were uh, brought up and taught about. So I'm going to be going through a little bit of those uh, comments and questions today. And, um, I don't know. Let's hop into it. So here's the first one that I heard. And actually, this one I heard when we were at the Ohio RIA this past year. Um, Actually, let me tell you a short story. This is probably so bad. I shouldn't have done this, and I'm sorry. But but get this, y'all. So I was in the women's restroom. All right, TMI. I know, Hannah. So, so I was in the women's restroom and I was in the stall, okay? And there were two other women that were up there at the sinks and they were washing their hands. And it was just after uh, Pops got done teaching. He was teaching, he was doing the normal foundational uh, presentation over this concept. And, um, and, and hey, y'all, if you have not seen that presentation, pause right here and go to themoneymultiplier.com. And up there on the homepage, you'll see resources click on resources and then click on presentation and it'll take you right there but uh anyways we're we're there 
And uh, I, I, I was hearing them, I was overhearing this conversation that they were having. And, you know, the, one, the other lady, they were talking and she says, hey, have you heard about the, the, this banking stuff with this life insurance? Have you heard this like ever before? And she goes, yeah, you know, I've heard a little bit about it, but here's my opinion. Whole life insurance is just way too expensive. Whole life insurance is just way too expensive. So then that's when I came out of the stall. <laughs> so I came out of the stall and I walked up to them. And, and one of the ladies, actually I spoken with her earlier in that day. And so she was there and her eyes kind of got wide. She was like, oh crap, Hannah was in that stall back there. And so, and so I walk up to her and here's the question that I asked that one woman who says, hey, life insurance is too expensive. Because remember, we were at a real estate conference, right? So a lot of these folks are involved in the real estate world. So I walk up to her and I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Why do you buy a house instead of just renting it? Buying a house is so much more expensive than just renting it. Well, then she tells me, well, you know, I buy the house to have the ownership, have some hard assets to me, increasing my net worth, right? That's why I buy the house. Well, okay, let's think about that in the, in the life insurance world. Life insurance, whole life insurance is just way too expensive. And, and she's comparing this to term life, right? Term life. And so I asked her, I said, okay, well, I hear your responses as to why you buy a house. Well, the same thing is with the policies, is it not? So yeah, whole life insurance is more expensive than term life. It's because you're actually buying that property. You're buying that contract, right? You are entering into this lifelong agreement with this insurance company. And we buy whole life because ownership, right? I have complete ownership over that policy. Number two, we can talk about asset protection, right? Inside of my policy, why, why I buy it, and even though it's more expensive, is, is that I'm protecting my assets inside of there. And on top of that, isn't it really for wealth accumulation as well? Don't you buy a house so that you can have this asset and then over time, because we know housing markets go up, then over time, that piece of property is going to expand and become more and more in value. Same thing with the house, right? On top of that, the equity, right? You build up equity inside of the home that you buy you build up equity inside of your whole life insurance policy that you buy. Now let's go back to it. Why do we rent? Well, renting is cheap. I like to rent because it's cheap. I, I'm not really interested in buying that piece of property. I just kind of want to lease it for the time being. Same thing with term life insurance. That is why it's so much cheaper than whole life insurance. So I do agree with you that whole life insurance is expensive. And the reason, I'm not gonna go down this whole big rabbit hole, but the whole reason of why it's more expensive is, is because the insurance company is locking in your cost of insurance for your whole entire life. So that cost of insurance is gonna be guaranteed and locked in. Is, let's say if you start this policy at my age right now, 23, your cost of insurance is going to be the same price when you're 23. At the same time, you're 100 years old. Not the same with term life, right? Because once that term expires, you got to renew that term. You're older now, thus your cost of insurance is now higher. So right, 
That's the whole reason. So if you really want to do analogies here and compare apples to apples, you know, life insurance is too expensive. I agree. But it's because you're still looking at this vehicle as life insurance, death benefit purposes, and you're not looking at it for the living benefits of it, right? So, I wasn't going to say this because I say it a lot, but I'm, I, I think it's necessary right now. What does Nelson Nash teach us, y'all? Nelson Nash teaches us that our need for financing cash in our lifetime is far greater than our need for our death benefit, okay? That's all we're doing. We're using the living benefits of the policy today, and at the end of it all, I'm going to have this guaranteed death benefit that will leave that windfall and that inheritance to my family, okay? So that was kind of one. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Let's talk about another one. I am already self-insured. I am already self-insured, and I kind of tied another one into this. I don't see any other benefit to this besides the death benefit. Okay, so you're already self-insured, and you don't see any benefit besides the death benefit. Okay, here's, here's why your thinking is so flawed. You're still thinking about this as life insurance. You're still thinking about the product and the vehicle itself. Let me ask you a question. Do you still bank? Do you still have to put gasoline in your car? Do you still have your property taxes, your income taxes, right? You have expenses that come. So for your whole entire life, the banking function is never going to go away, right? Because you finance every single thing that you buy. You either pay interest to somebody else or you give up that interest that you could have earned. So you finance every single thing that you buy. So I hear you. I hear that you're, you're saying to yourself, no, Hannah, I'm already self-insured. There's nothing more to this than the death benefit. I think you're wrong. Again, your thinking is flawed here because you're thinking about it for the death benefit reasons. And again, I get it. You think about life insurance. Life insurance is just for death benefit protection. I get it. But you can't look at it that way. Go back into the why behind this infinite banking concept. Death benefit is just the cherry on top of the cake, in my opinion. Why are you doing this? Analyze how much interest you are sending out the door to other people by not taking back that control of the banking function in your life. Just go look at it. And matter of fact, I actually went out there. I went to our Facebook group. I'll do this as well. I'll link our Facebook group down there in, in the description. But I asked this question. I wanted to see how the community would respond to this question. And uh, I, I'm going to read you a few of it, okay? Here's one of them. You may be self-insured, but will your family inherit the funds tax-free? That one's a good one right? Okay, you're self-insured, but everything else that once you pass, graduate, you're not here anymore. Is that inheritance money going to go to your family tax-free? I don't know. Actually, there's another comment right here I'm reading. Somebody else chimed in. Most of the time when people say they are self-insured, they don't care enough about if their family gets benefits from them passing or not. That's pretty powerful. Not saying I agree nor disagree, but that's pretty powerful. Here's another one. It's not about the death benefit. It's about the living benefits. 
then explain all the living benefits and how they align with being self-insured. Love that one. I thought that one was great. Well, their self-insured can be taken away from them in a lawsuit, and it's probably not tax-free. Your money still needs to be stored somewhere. You will also have a need for financing. I think this is my favorite one. I'm heart reacting this one. Oh, yes, y'all. Y'all are getting it. Yes, your money has to be stored somewhere. Let's talk about it. This is one of my favorite things. And when I'm on strategy calls, this is honestly where I start when I'm talking with y'all. Let's peel back the onion about the whole concept altogether. Why are we doing this? Well, whether I produce active or passive income, because right, I'm never going to show you, or I shouldn't say show you, I'm never going to go tell you, I should say, I'm never going to go tell you how to go out and make your money. Okay, so you go out and you make your money. You bring those dollar in, dollars in as active or passive income. And how we've been conventionally trained and taught is, is that when I get money in, my money flows through the central banks. Because the central banks, right? Why do I keep my money there with them? Well, that's where they keep the money. Willie Sutton's Law from Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, right? So... I keep my money down there at the central banks because that's where they keep the money. That's just where what I've been taught. So do you agree that all money and wealth has to flow through somebody's bank? Absolutely. So right now, all of your money is flowing through the central banks and the central banks are using your money and they're taking out your money, lending it out to you or to other people and they're making a good living off of your money. All we're doing is flipping the script. Now, when I get money in, active or passive income, I'm gonna deposit my money into my bank, which just happens to be my whole life insurance policy. I mean, if I could do the same thing with these water bottles here, I'd be hooting and hollering and telling y'all how cool these water bottles are with recapturing my money, recycling it, and keeping it in the family, right? It's just whole life insurance is just the platform and the only vehicle that I know on this planet that allows me to do this with these features and benefits, right? So what I'm doing is I'm going to put my money into my bank i.e. the policy, then from my bank, I'm going to lend that money back out to me or to other people. And now I'm going to be the one making the profits, interest, and dividends on myself rather than the bankers making it on me. On top of that, control, right? I am in a total 100% control transaction of everything that I do inside of my policy. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you try to go down to a bank and take out like a large cash withdrawal, sometimes they don't even have the money there for you. Sometimes they'll have to tell you, hey, come back tomorrow. We'll have the money here, right? Because they're they're always moving it, right? And on top of that, they even ask you, they, they say, hey, what are you using this money for? Why do you need to take out this $100,000 in cash right here? Well, why do you need to know? It's my money. I don't need to tell you what, what I'm doing with my money, right? 
So, so over at the insurance companies, and when I keep my money there with them, they don't care if I'm taking out a, out a loan of $100 or $100 million. As long as I have that cash that's available inside of that policy and that account, I can go in there and take out a, a loan if I want. And on top of that, they never ask me, all right, Hannah, when are you going to pay this back? How are you going to pay it back? Right? They don't care. They're never going to ask me that question. So let's continue on. <laughs> Here's Mr. I, I'm going to shout out uh, Mr. Linus here. Mr. Linus says, ain't trying to sell you insurance. A banking system is the focus. Ask them what they mean by self-insured. I think they'll have a crappy explanation that has nothing to do with banking. I would say it's not about needing a death benefit. The question is, do you want to multiply your money simply by changing where you put the dollars first? Oh, that was good. That was good. I wanted to end it with this one. Two of them here. Steve says, I gave up on explaining. It's like I'm speaking Greek. <laughs> and then one more. I, I agree with Mr. Brian here. If you come across someone like that, you won't be able to reach them either logically or otherwise, because the simple fact is that there is no such thing as being self-insured. It defeats the purpose. I love it. Here's my honest feedback, though. I think this person, they just have a rival syndrome. They just have a rival syndrome that they have come to this point of where they have arrived. They think that they are all taken care of. They are prepped for all of the seen and unseen circumstances in life. And so they've just hit that arrival. There is nothing more else to be learned. Nothing more to go out there and capitalize on. I'm already self-insured, Hannah. Okay, that's all right. And so what I say to those folks is good luck on your endeavors. I am here when you want to talk about taking back the banking function in your life. All right, so let, let's move on. So that one was a good one. All right, lastly, here's my last one. Oh, actually, actually, I might have, I might have one or two more, one or two more. All right, how about this one? I could do the same thing inside of my regular checking account. I could do the same thing inside of my regular checking or savings account that's held down at the local bank. Okay. Here's what I have to say to you. You're missing the whole point of economic value added and the opportunity cost of your money. Here's what you're saying. Let's go back to, to that statement that I made earlier. You finance every single transaction that you buy. You either pay interest to somebody else or you've given up the interest that you could have earned on that money. Here's what I mean by that. I, I like to use the example of a car just because a lot of people understand cars, but we could do the same thing with a pack of chewing gum, a new swimming pool in the backyard, a vacation, or taxes even. Actually, let's use taxes. I like taxes. I actually just did this within my policy. So, so right, October 15th wasn't that far away. That's when I pay my taxes. And so uh, get, uh, get this. This is what I did. Let's say, let, let's do two options, okay? We have option A and option B. Option A, let's talk about the conventional way that we've all been taught to do it. My tax bill comes into me, and we're assuming we're a 1099 uh, uh, contractor, okay? So, so no W-2s, we just uh, pay our taxes at the end of the year, whatever they come out to be. So 
I, I am making my dollars, okay? Making my dollars, my money comes into me and I put that money into my regular checking account. And what I'm doing is I'm budgeting, I'm saving up because I know each and every year my tax bill is gonna come due. So I'm saving up inside, inside of my regular checking account and then tax bill comes into me. Let's make believe it's $20,000. So $20,000 is what I owe to the IRS. I take out that $20,000 that was inside of my checking account and I go give it to the IRS people. Well, what you've just done here is you have given up the earning rights on that money. Let me, let me explain. So that $20,000 was sitting inside of your checking account and it was earning you interest, was it not? Now, I know in today's environment, it's not a lot of interest, right? Less than 1% most of the time. I know there's a few cool banks out there giving us anywhere from 1% to 2%. But in most central banks, it's less than 1% is what we're earning on that dollar. But I do have to agree, when I put money down at my bank account, I do make interest in there. So over the course of that full year, you are earning interest on that $20,000, You've taken that $20,000 out of your checking account and given it to the IRS. Well, now, in order to earn interest again on that $20,000, you got to go work for it. You have to go earn it somehow. So in order to get that $20,000 back inside of your pocket, earning you and making you interest again, you got to go work for it somehow. So what I just explained to you is, is that you have given up the future opportunity cost or for future earning rights on that dollar because you went and paid cash for it. A lot of people think that when they pay cash for something that they don't have to make any payments and they're not paying any interest, right? Well, you just given up the interest that you could have earned on that money. And then quickly, right, if I bank finance something or I finance it privately through another organization, entity, or person, right, I'm paying interest to that other person. So how do I incorporate the policies? When I put money into my banking policy first, now for the rest of my life, I am earning a guaranteed uninterrupted compounding on my money. So what do I mean by that? When I put money into the policy, put my dollars into the policy, I have a cash bucket in there. Well, I get hit with my tax bill for the year, $20,000, got to pay to the IRS. I take out that $20,000 that's sitting inside of my policy and I go pay the tax people. Tax people have their money, they're happy with me. But get this, because I've taken a loan from my policy, that 20000 never left my policy and still continued to grow and compound while I went and paid off the IRS people. I think that's more cool than cool than, than, than y'all can talk about. Because honestly, the power of uninterrupted compounding interest is extremely, extremely phenomenal. I don't want to be corny or cheesy, but there's a very smart gentleman that once walked this earth. His name is Albert Einstein. Y'all know Albert Einstein? He says compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it 
earn it and those who don't pay it. What have we been doing and being a customer of our whole entire life? We have been paying that compound interest to the banks or to other people our whole entire life. So now I'm flipping the script. Now I know how to play the game. I'm going to play the game right along with all the top dogs out there. So when I put my money into that policy, now I am forever earning that compounding interest. Okay. So honestly, no, I I mean, well, gotta take that back. Yes. I mean, you can still do this inside of your regular savings account, checking account, but you're missing out on all of the benefits. Asset protection, right? If I ever get sued, nobody can come after the capital that's inside of my policies, but they can inside of my regular checking account at the local bank. Tax-free growth. Inside of my policy, I get a tax-free growth inside of that thing. Inside of my bank account, I don't get tax-free growth. I got to pay taxes on the the interest I earn in that bank account. How about a death benefit? Do I get a death benefit inside of my uh, regular checking account? Nope. But on my uh, infinite banking life insurance policy, I do. And on top of that, lastly, I'll add control. Control of the transactions, right? So, because if I ever go down to any local bank, try to request a loan from them, and they give me that loan, they don't care if I have a rainy day, a rainy month, rainy year, break a leg, uh, a family member passes away, and I'm out of work, out of commission for a few months. They don't care. They just care if they're going to get that monthly payment uh, check from me each and every month, right? Inside of my policy contracts, the insurance companies simply do not care. I am never required to pay back my policy loans. That's me being in control of that transaction. Okay, let's move on. Lastly, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. And uh, for the gentleman that uh, he might be listening to my podcast, and I'm sorry that I'm adding this in here. I just, I really wanted to bring this out uh, to the public's eye. And so that y'all can kind of see my thought process on this. So here's a text message that I got not too long ago, actually. And as soon as uh, this gentleman sent me this text message, I added this to my podcasting list of when I wanted to record this episode. So I'm just going to read Uh, uh, what he said to me word for word. Hi, Hannah. I would like to have a Zoom call with illustrations for a 1090, 2080, and adding more money up front. It would be better if, if we could generate the output during our call to check on these scenarios. Now, I'm not gonna go too deep into this right now, but for my practitioner friends or colleagues or folks who have been in the infinite banking space for some time now, You can understand where the disconnect is coming from when we're talking about the banking function and the banking process in our life. Yes, again, I'm going to say this all day long till I'm blue in the face. I know we are talking about a product here, but I am teaching you the process, the banking process in your life. So when folks are coming to me, asking me about all these different designs of of policies and how you can do, because yes, I mean, you can design these policies any which way, upfront, higher liquidity, maybe the later years, retirement, my child's college education plans, right? You can design these policies any which way. And that's why it's important to work with a mentor and somebody who will sit down and really help you to say, hey, 
hey, hey, hey, Mr. Gentleman, I know this is what you want, but your thinking is flawed here. Let me explain why. And this is what I would recommend for you. And honestly, over here, if you do work with us at the Money Multiplier, at the end of the day, I always tell y'all that you are in the driver's seat. You are in the driver's seat and I'm going to do anything that you want me to do, but you're going to have to actually beg for me to give you a 1090 plan design because I do not believe those are the best things out there when we're talking about the infinite banking concept. So now and actually go back. If you go back a few episodes, we have two 1090 podcast discussions. One I did with actually a a member on the team, a client. His name is Mark. And then the other one I did with Jonah. Jonah's a a colleague and a friend of mine. And so uh, we dive into the discussion of 1090s and, and kind of peeling back the onion of why we don't think those are the best designs out there. So anyways, to get back to this though, why why do I why do I feel like this is not my most favorite question? Honestly, it kind of hurts my heart just a little bit because it kind of makes me feel like I failed y'all. It's kind of like, it's kind of like I was teaching y'all for the whole semester of of college here and uh, y'all were taking your notes and the final exam came on and and, and you came and you got a D minus. And I'm like, oh crap, what could I have done to do better and help you educate y'all better? And, and, And anyway, so that's why I'm here bringing it to the forefront and wanting to have an open discussion with you. So just real quick, why, why am I not a fan of this question? Because number one, policy design does not matter. And if you truly understood what a 1090 plan design or a 2080 plan design really was, you would never purchase one of those policies anyway. I understand maybe why some folks would want it or why it makes sense in some scenarios. But just knowing this gentleman and knowing where he's at, I know what's going on. And what he's getting hung up on is his short-term thinking again. Short-term thinking, y'all. What is one of Nelson Nash's rules that he teaches us? Think long term. Think long term. And again, maybe it was easy for Nelson because he was in the forestry business where he had to think well past his lifetime, his children's lifetimes, right? So it was maybe just easier for him to do so. But When the start of the policy, that is just one moving part of how we're going to be incorporating this for your whole entire life, your whole entire banking system and function inside of your lifetime. Because quickly, let's just talk about it. Why do people want a 1090 plan design or those higher liquidity designs? Well, they want it because they want to go and use this money right now, now, now. Hannah, I got active use for this money right now. Well, okay. So you want this higher liquidity liquidity design because you want to take the cash out and go invest it or go uh, put it towards some debts, free up some monthly cash flow or produce us more cash flow, right? Well, what are you going to do? Isn't the whole part about this concept is you funneling money through your bank, not the central banks, your bank, you be in control. You get every dollar you possibly can inside of your policy so it will earn uninterrupted compounding for the rest of your life. So, okay, you want this higher liquidity design because you want to go and put that money to work. Well, when you go put that money to work, what happens? You go and you produce more monies, right? This money just keeps having babies. They're producing everywhere now, right? So where are you going to store that extra wealth that is coming into you? You go and put that money to work to go and produce more monies. Well, where are you going to go put those more monies that you just produced? Because they're not going to be able to fit 
in your 1090 plan design because you have too much of short-term thinking. I'm sorry I got heated here for a second, but it really just aggravates me that we do not, we just, in this, in this today's climate and environment here in America, we are so hung up on the McDonald's drive through mentality, the microwave mentality, and I am so over it. There's going to come another recession here sometime soon, and y'all are going to see it. Y'all are going to see another, um, I don't want to say another COVID era, but y'all saw what happened in COVID. A lot of y'all were not prepped for the unseen circumstances that happens in life. So start prepping yourself and start thinking long term. Okay. Anyways, I kind of beat that one up and we're kind of coming up here on our time, but I'll do another one of these and share your feedback. I, I want to know kind of your unpopular opinions, your unpopular thoughts, and let's discuss them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next week. We're here every single week. And uh, go ahead, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Follow my personal accounts. It's my first name, Hannah underscore Kessler. Kessler with one S. And uh, I'll be on there. I'm always posting, whether it be events that we're going to or just even some fun stuff. I'm always posting my uh, music festivals and uh, live uh, music shows that I go to. So kind of right into me. Uh, Actually, right... Actually, no, do that, do that. Write into me about some cool bands that you really like, and and I would appreciate that. Give me some new uh, bands and, and artists and singers to go out there and listen to. So, okay, well, The Money Multiplier, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, all right? So uh, we'll catch you next time on our next episode, and until then, see ya.